It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. My guest today is Vishal Sunak, co-founder and CEO of LinkSquares. LinkSquares is the company behind the fastest growing AI-powered contracting platform for legal teams. Named among the 2020 Gartner Cool Vendors for contract lifecycle management and advanced contract analytics, LinkSquares is used by more than 700 legal teams at mid to large companies, including brands such as TGI Fridays, Cogito, and Wayfair to move their businesses forward faster. Vishal is widely recognized as a change agent in the legal tech space, where he has worked tirelessly to improve outcomes for legal teams while elevating their visibility within the enterprise. In 2021, Vishal was named an Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year, one of the preeminent competitive business awards for entrepreneurs and leaders of high-tech growth companies. LinkSquares debuted on the Inc. 5000 in 2021 at position 253. Outside of LinkSquares, Vishal mentors local business-based startup founders, plays covers in the blues on his guitar, and spends time adventuring with his wife and two young children. He has a Bachelor of Science in Engineering from Northeastern University and a Master's from Worcester Polytechnic Institute. Vishal Sunik, welcome into the corner office. Hey, Brent. How are you? Thanks for having me. Great to have you here today. And gosh, it's been a couple of months since we've spoken. So, so happy that we could uh, carve out some time together. And we always like to kind of start the podcast, uh, understanding a little bit about kind of our foundational beginnings of our CEO guests. And tell us a little bit about what your early family life was like. Yeah, I was uh, uh, born in Brazil, actually. We're Indian, but my parents were living there. My dad was working there as a professor of uh, electrical engineering. So, uh, we moved to America in 1985. Uh, I've cool. spent all but one year of my life here in America. Uh, we we moved to Rhode Island. Uh, my dad's older sister had moved to Rhode Island kind of randomly. And my dad said, let's grow up uh, with the kids next to family. And that's what we did. So my older sister and I uh, grew up together with, with my parents in uh, southern Rhode Island, not the most diverse place to live, but uh, you know, looking looking around and not seeing a lot of people that look like yourself. So right. uh, that was uh, that was my kind of early foundation. Uh, yeah, did high school there, uh, and then uh, went to Northeastern University and studied computer engineering. So uh, apples and trees, I guess, with fathers and sons. So um, <laughs> right, my, right. my dad not is a my dad is an electrical engineer and and. Uh, PhD. And so living with that was hard because he's like super smart. And then. Oh, was he a professor at Brown or 
Was it Professor Brown? <laughs> At, uh, yeah. University of Rhode Island. Yeah, University, University of Rhode, Rhode Island. Island. Yeah. And did your mom, your mom worked as well, or did she focus on bringing up your, your sister and yourself? Part of my entrepreneurial journey is that my dad started a company when I was a kid uh, oh, cool. to build this like, new type of uh, fiber amplifier for laser communication. So I saw him start this oh. company literally in our basement with one of his graduate students and uh, grew this company to like 250 people. And so I kind of grew up Jeez. seeing my dad scale like a, a company like pretty large and and growing up and looking at his early logo designs and prototypes and <laughs> going to visit him in his office and going to see kind of their fabrication because they're a hardware company, right? Um, yeah. Going to see his like fabrication area and, and kind of seeing what it, what it took to kind of get a company off the ground, which was so cool when I was a kid. Right. Uh, and then right. that kind of led me to wanting to go to Northeastern for my undergrad and, and uh, study engineering also. And, and uh, yeah, since I was a kid, it kind of, I was kind of drawn into those sort of, you know, tinkering and Legos and erector sets and building model rockets and and (laughs) building those sort of things. And were you good? Were you a good student in school? High school, I was kind of a slacker, to be honest with you. Uh, It feels funny to say now, but uh, uh, you probably were challenged, I imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Probably the opposite. I probably wasn't (laughs) motivated enough. My uh, my older sister's a real smarty pants. She's a doctor of pharmacy, so. Uh, okay. I, I grew up living in her shadow, and, her and then uh, right, right. and then when I got to Northeastern, I was I was able to flourish on my own and and um, you know do quite well in undergrad and kind of set my career up. And so, uh, yeah, so Northeastern in Boston, and then I moved further north. Uh, I got a I got a job, my first job out of college, was working in the defense industry, building um, military hardware. What degree did you get at Northeastern? What- yeah, computer okay. engineering. So a uh, little hardware engineering, computer science, which is cool. I kind of liked both. So I decided not to choose between one or the other, which I was actually really appreciative of. It was great. I got to do both kind of like hardware engineering and, and coding. Uh, and then my first job out of college, yeah, I was just building electronics for the military, which was like super cool. And just like learning how to build things, like learning how to schedule things, learning how to yeah. think about requirements and analysis and how things have to work and work together. And, and it was great. Did you move down to the DC area? Uh, no, in New Hampshire. In New Hampshire. Okay. Yeah. In New Hampshire. Yeah. BAE system. So, so I, I worked there, kept moving further North Brant. So, you know, Rhode Island and then Massachusetts and then New Hampshire, if you know it, New England geography, <laughs> geographically. Say that's a little, little antipodal for a kid from, you know, originally India origins in Brazil, right? I mean, <laughs> if going into colder weather. Just, well, I am, a, I'm a lifelong New Englander, so I like the snow, so yeah. that's fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then the ride in the defense industry kind of, you know, eventually made its end for me as, as there were lots of cuts in the DOD budgets, mm-hmm. like back then in 2012, and and I said to myself, well, either I'm going to stay here the rest of my life or I'm going to go on another adventure and go try right. something else. So I I quit my job without really a plan. And uh, Indian parents love that when you quit your job without a plan because uh, so much <laughs> oh, yeah. of your childhood emphasis is about your education and, and the job that you will get. Uh, And then I found this thing in Boston called uh, Boston Startup School. And it was like a free like finishing program. It was like six, seven weeks. Uh, So I did that program and then got introduced to the founder of Backupify, which is where 
I started my career in B2B software and, and really learned the SaaS game from, from a bunch of experts. Like many great experts have taught me how to do the job I'm doing now. Uh, and, you know, super thankful for all, all the mentorship that I've received. And it started there at Backupify and the idea for LinkScores came from there too. So, well, did yeah, you, that's at Backupify, my, did you come in in a, in a technical role or are you in management already or what? Tell us about those first jobs there. When I was working in the defense industry, I, I wasn't doing like hardware development or computer coding, software coding or anything like that. I ended up doing this thing, which I really loved, which was like systems engineering. So mm. it's kind of like managing the kind of technical build of, of products, right? And that is what now we know as like product management, right? right? But they call it systems engineering in the defense industry. And so I was kind of drawn to that, thinking about the kind of multidiscipline approach to like building a product, like, well, how much will it cost and how reliable will it be? And how do we integrate sure. it into another platform? And what's the kind of long-term ownership costs of building a piece of hardware and the military is going to use it for 30 years or whatever. And so um, I kind of got a similar job at, at Backup of Five in kind of more operations, which which it was pitched as like my engineers aren't kind of business savvy enough to maybe potentially help with data and getting data from different systems. And I had like a strong background in that and kind of made my role in operations. And that's kind of what I did for many years, uh, marketing operations, revenue operations, okay. um, business intelligence and SaaS metrics, and kind of doing that for the company internally as we started to grow quite fast there uh, in the years that I spent at Backupify all the way to the point where it got acquired. Were you managing people from day one at Backup of Five? No, when I when I joined, there was only like thirty people, so like the right. organization was like pretty flat. As we kind of grew the the company up, then you know, I had the responsibility to like work with a lot of other people and kind of be like an internal resource, like a, a consultant resource to help. Like I don't know, weird odd projects. That's what I used to call it. I was the odd projects <laughs> guy. You need an odd project. Um, I would do it. I would also like help with procurement and buying and evaluating technology for the sales and marketing team. So it was an awesome job. It's like one of the best yeah. jobs I've had. Uh, just lots of learning. Uh, and then just to round out my, uh, you know, my personal journey. Now I live just north of Boston. I have a, a wonderful wife and two beautiful daughters. So one is almost four and one is almost a half year old. So that's, uh, that's Michelle. Cool. Cool. Great. So back to Backupify, that was actually acquired. And did you leave there, you know, in a, in a management role then or trying to get to the point when you started, you know, kind of developing people and working with them? Was, was it there or actually after you moved on to Link Squares and got that set up? Yeah. So stayed on, uh, stayed on with uh, Datto, the company that acquired uh, Backupify for a little bit of time. Uh, had a had a few folks working underneath me then, kind of understanding how to motivate people and and create great teams and and keep them moving in the right direction. Uh, I had done a whole bunch of that sort of work in the defense industry too, uh, just working and supporting large kind of multifunctional teams too, in like program engineering is what they called in the defense industry, which is right. basically the management of a whole pro project, right? A whole a whole uh, program inside the military. And um, yeah, and then my, my journey at, at Datto uh, kind of lasted a year. And then I actually went to another company, Insight Square, 
And then I spent time being director of RevOps there uh, for a little bit of time. But then the company, uh, Link Squares, that we had founded then was kind of getting more and more traction. I wanted to devote more time to it. So I I quit my job without a plan again a second time. And, <laughs> and I, in January of 2016, uh, went full time with my co-founder, Chris. And we kind of never looked back since then. Awesome. Mom and dad a little more supportive the second time around? <laughs> well, e- equally the same. Like, so you're quitting your job without a plan, and is this company going to go somewhere? And and I'm like, yeah, I think so. You know, I think so. Our, uh, my dad was our first angel investor; gave us 25 grand. So, uh, right. appreciative, right. appreciative of of that. We spent it lo- a long time ago. So uh, maybe in like a, a couple weeks since when he wired it. So um, yeah, no, we we've had a lot of. And what's really great about the journey is we've had a lot of awesome people support us and and believe in what we eventually kind of got to now, which is like a company doing great things and have super happy customers and continue to find more and and then get a lot of other people to come join us. Well, tell us a little bit more about the foundational, uh, you know, kind of uh, structure or the impetus around Link Squares. What, what, what was the customer need that you saw that led you to found the company? Yeah, we were at Backupify and and during a kind of merger and acquisition M&A transaction, the the company that's going to buy another company, they have lots of questions and you have to generate a lot of answers for them. So they have confidence in the deal or they're transitioning into the integration of the two companies is kind of like the next step. And so Dado had asked Backupify what was in all the customer contracts that we had and what we'd agreed to specifically around, uh, we were a backup company and Dado is also a backup company. So they were backing up data in the cloud and we were backing up data in the cloud, but they used their own cloud, right? They had paid mm. for their own data center. They own their own hardware. We used AWS because we were like a, a scrappy small startup and right, right. using AWS makes a ton of sense when you can't you know buy a football field uh, size warehouse in the middle of nowhere to run a data center right so <laughs> rent uh, one of the pri- <laughs> yeah exactly you rent virtually right and so yeah. uh, one of the priorities for data was to start cutting our AWS bill we were backing up Google Suite right so corporate Gmail and Drive and Sheets and Docs and all the data that lives on Google Suite, right? Um, Google Workspace, whatever they call it now. And it was like petabytes, like three, four or five petabytes of data wow. we were backing up every day. It's expensive, right? And so it was a yeah. cost-cutting measure for Datto, who had bought Backupify, to say, well, we want to start moving all your customers off AWS and start reducing your AWS bill. But in order to know that answer, whose data can we move without their permission? You need to know what's inside the contract, right? Right. But knowing what's inside the contract is actually really hard because um, we had thousands and thousands of customers that we were backing up their Google Suite accounts, their corporate Google Suite accounts. And we had worked with large brands like Logitech and Financial Times and Whirlpool. And, and the contract itself was different, right? Every contract was almost different, right? You had third-party paper, which is like big companies make you use their contracts. They'll never sign your uh, terms of service right, or agreement right. uh, because they're a big company, you're a small company, and they have that advantage. And then we had also negotiated our own terms of service to, to get deals done, right, to get revenue in the door. And so the answer to that question was like largely impossible to generate for them. Yeah. 
uh, and this was one of the odd projects that that had fallen on my plate, uh, <laughs> and I was just dedicating all my time to the uh, acquisition support and whatever the team needed. And it was kind of quickly realized that we were so disorganized. The contracts were everywhere. They were all in different uh, systems like Salesforce and Google Drive and attached to um, uh, emails that we had sent to our controller and some were printed out in a filing cabinet. We lacked Mm. a repository. So that was kind of like one thing that may have been also our own immaturity, right? Um, The second thing is most of them were scanned PDFs. So they were printed out, signed by hand, put on a scanner, turned into an image, then turned into a PDF. And so scan PDFs, you can't control F, search them, right? The text is not there. It's actually an image, right? So that creates a challenge because the only way to really read it is to read it yourself, scroll down through it, you know, page after page, looking for a word or a phrase or a paragraph or a sentence. And so that was the real challenge that we, that was a real challenge that we had uh, and we saw, and it was kind of like a light bulb moment that yeah. my co-founder, who Chris, who also worked at Backupify, uh, we kind of saw it and heard it and felt it kind of first time. And we're like, this is really interesting. Like, why do we not know this answer? And yeah. through kind of more exploration, we kind of figured out that in bigger companies, they have someone who's responsible for contracts. We didn't have this role. We didn't have an in-house legal team. We didn't have a general counsel. Right. right. This or kind even of a contract administrator. This. Yeah, right. Yeah, we didn't have any of that, right? And that was probably one of the reasons why we were like slightly disorganized, which was that we didn't have anyone who was in charge. And if no one owns it, I guess no one's going to do anything about it <laughs> right, to, to right. optimize it. Um, enough people nudged us towards like, hey, general counsel, you should check it out. I asked my co-founder, do you know any general counsels? And he goes, I know zero. And I said, well, I know zero also. <laughs> um so what did we do? We bought 25,000 emails from uh, a really nice guy in Pakistan, I think, who mined them off LinkedIn. So we gave him like, right. hey, we want companies that look like Backupify, right? Like venture backed and tech in tech, not too large, like get us the emails of the general counsels and their names. And and that's what I had learned in my journey that like cold email outbound is like really effective as a strategy. I've yeah. seen it work that's everywhere cool. I've worked. And we just started cold emailing general counsels. Hey, I'm Vishal. You don't know who I am. Uh, I worked at a company. I worked at a company that looks just like yours. We have this contracts problem. Do you have it? You want to chat? And hand raises. People started replying like, yeah, this sounds interesting. Let's chat. And (laughs) You you get 50, 60% open rates and 35% response rates. And you think you're onto something, right? Yeah, yeah. We were like high-fiving, like, we did it, man. We think we found yeah. something. And man, how far away we were from <laughs> from actually knowing that <laughs> we had found problem. something. Yeah. And, yeah, and how much work it took thereafter. Uh, the customer discovery part is so uh, important, especially starting from scratch, is you really right, have to right. know with lots of data, like, don't be in a rush to, to build software. And yeah, yeah. Uh, we weren't. Yeah, and it was questions. a long year. Yeah. yeah, more than a year of just... We tried to interview a hundred general counsels. Like, if we could interview a hundred general counsels, we would really know. And at the end of it, it was kind of like people were like, "Can I, can I buy it? Can I, can I see a demo of it?" And yeah, it's like, right. Okay, well, yeah, can you to, solve my problem? We right. This, yeah, <laughs> we need to build the software now, and and that took us to eventually be, becoming an AI company, which is, can an algorithm read the contract for you and tell you what's inside Ooh. it? And that wow. was the impetus of like how we became an AI company. Yeah. 
So super cool. So so how does it actually work then? Because you're right, it is an image. You can't read the PDF. So does the AI go in and just break down the words and then figure it out, or you know what 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 was the solution <laughs> in the end? I'm curious. Yeah, the the solution was to eventually build many products, but the first product we built, the analyze product, becomes your new cloud based file repository. Right. Uh, and so we okay. replace the existing places people store documents, right? Box, Dropbox, Google Drive, SharePoint, OneDrive. Uh, we can replace those entirely, or we can sync with them if you can't organizationally kind of replace it. We can, we can create an active sync. So get the files into the analyzed product. The first step is to identify which ones are scanned PDFs. So we built yeah. technology to do yeah. it uh, programmatically, yeah. algorithmically, right? Figure out if a document is a scanned PDF, meaning it has no searchable text. Then the second thing we had to figure out was how to build a really great um, conversion pipeline to convert the, the images into text, right? Also known as uh, OCR, optical character recognition, uh, which is not a new thing. It's been mm. out for, I don't know, 50 years or whatever, and maybe right. will continue to be worked on for another 150 years long before I leave the earth. Um, people will still be trying to <laughs> get to 100% accuracy of uh, uh, OCR. And so we built an OCR uh, pipeline right, to continue yeah. to digitize images into text. Right. And then right. the algorithms... Then the algorithms, we built language processing algorithms, right? So we hired a bunch of super smart PhDs and data scientists and machine learning engineers and AWS experts and Rails engineers to essentially build a processing pipeline that mm. we could process a file and read them with algorithms and generate the answers, right? And, and that was kind of the early work that we did. So that's the experience for the customer. You can upload a file and 20 seconds later, it's like, that's the, you have all the answers of like, yeah. you know, what's the effective date? Who are the parties that are named? Does the document have auto renewal or not? Or does it have termination for convenience? What's the state of governing law? And yeah, I think we yeah. do almost 150 pieces of metadata uh, created out of the box uh, without any training um, through our technology, which is like really special. I'm I'm a I'm a real number two pencil guy in the technological world. So, <laughs> as if I was a five year old, <laughs> what what does it basically do? Does it recreate the document in a word format, or literally creates a new document from that scanned PDF, or a new file? I guess right. I mean, that's essentially what it is. That, that, that it can read yeah, the words. The, the experience the experience for the user is that you see the original file and you see all the answers of what what's inside the file right structure you read data it just as if it gets was created yeah yeah. Wow. yeah and then behind the scenes we're reading the we're reading the text right we're yeah, reading the right. plain text with algorithms and the algorithms are trained to look for specific things the words right, right. we train right. on the word level the sentence structure right like yeah the sentence that contains the effective date, regardless of what the contract is or, or what type of contract is. Uh, this contract is effective between uh, Vishal and Brandt as of uh, August 16th, 2022. Right, that sentence appears and we're looking for the effective date. So we've trained the algorithms to use the context of the words around the date to generate high confidence that this is the effective date. There could be a hundred dates in the file named, right. but only one right. is the effective date because of that sentence, right? That's right. the theory. 
And so you you look at an agreement inside Link Squares, you see the original text of your agreement or the original PDF, you can view that too. And then to the left, you just see the answers of what's inside this file. Yeah. And then we right. add on reporting right. on top of that. Show me all my contracts that have an effective date in the last six months. Boom, <laughs> here's Yeah. Super cool. Wow. That's great. Well, what a, what a huge need that is. And, and are you focused only in the English language? Do you do multiple languages now? How does that play out on a global scale? Yeah, we, we operate in, in many different countries outside the United States yeah. also, but primarily focus our efforts today on English, right? We've built our okay. AI for the last four years uh, on, on English translations that we do work with translation partners uh, if people have docs in other languages, which are actually more cumbersome for them than it probably is for us because they're not native speakers typically. So uh, paying for kind of conversion or, or helping them convert the files is something that we can do into English language. Um, maybe one day the AI will work in other languages, right, as we continue yeah. to scale up here. Yeah. God, super cool. Great. How many employees today and, and how many uh, global customers? Yeah, uh, 700 customers, uh, businesses, wow. right? We we yeah. don't work with law firms. We we only sell directly into in-house legal teams. Uh, right. We have 300 and call it maybe 60-odd employees, yeah. uh, maybe half of which are in the Boston area and then kind of the other half are, are remote. We operate in over 20 states in America, too. So we're kind of like a hybrid type company. Super cool. Got it. Great. Terrific. And been around about seven years. Now, are you guys publicly traded? Uh, one <laughs> of our aspirations for the future. Yeah, it's still a private company. <laughs> Excellent. Cool. Well, tell me a little bit about how your leadership style has changed. I mean, that's a big organization, obviously, bigger than the ones you've worked with in the past, or at least, you know, since your DOD days. Um, you know, what is it that's changed with regards to how you work with others? There's probably three kind of distinct phases, I think, of the, the journey that I've been on as a leader, as a people leader, right? Um, the, the first was like the very, very early days where uh, whatever job role that was required, it was a coin flip between Chris and I, who's going to do it, right? He did the account <laughs> He's got the odd project, and, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He did the account management and kind of new business sales when we were getting started. And I did the tech stuff because I had engineering background and implementation and support. And, and then as we kind of hired folks, I, I always took a philosophy that my job as a CEO is to hire the best executive to work for yeah. me, who then in turn will hire the best people who want to work for them. Right. And the first person I prototyped that on was my CTO, Eric. Right. He was he was my real first executive hire. And God knows how we have uh, figured out the payroll to pay him. But we fig <laughs> figured out a way to make it work Work with him at Backupify. Super smart. Best engineer I'd ever worked with. Super, super knowledgeable about everything. AWS and building code and testing it and all this stuff. And he was the one that I wanted to lead our tech organization. And so I uh, got Eric. Um, and that kind of like went from there, uh, Brent, like uh, hired a product manager who then over the last five years just promoted up and promoted up and promoted up and, you know, kind of became the de facto leader of the, the product organization, Andrew. And um, then I had hired a, a, a VP of sales, now my CRO, Steve. And we kind of 
kept that philosophy going. If I do a great job as the CEO picking a great leader, then they'll do a great job hiring people who are exceptional to work for them. And then that kind of enters into the second phase where you don't have it all figured out. You have some executives, then you're trying to work with kind of people at kind of different levels, but the organization still feels pretty flat, right? In the earliest days, it's very flat. Kind of that middle phase, you're still pretty flat. Like, I'm in there at the end of the quarter with Chris running the deal desk, helping make order forms, like get in terms of service negotiated, like I'm providing input to the product team and reviewing stuff. I mean, those were like 2018, 2019, just working like a million hours, like sure. just working a million hours, cannot work enough time. There's just so much to do, especially as the traction is working or we're right. getting more and more customers. Then now we enter into kind of what I call like the third phase and probably the ending phase of kind of where we'll stay in steady state, which is um, the success of the company has got a lot less to do with me now. I'm just one person and I'm only good at so many things. And I've done my job. I've hired six experts to work for me, right? Finance and chief finance officer and chief legal officer and chief marketing officer and chief revenue officer and uh, product leader. Uh, product and engineering leader and technology. And and I have it all kind of encompassed now. Now my job is mostly to get out of the way and yeah. and remind people what's important, but really not talk about how to do it because I've done my job. I've hired six experts and then they've hired <laughs> five experts each. And then those five right. experts have hired another 20 people underneath them. And, and now we kind of have this like wonderful kind of leadership team and then the kind of sub leadership team underneath them that actually makes the company happen. Right. And now my job is to think about the future. Right. Right. How would you describe the company culture? What what do you think is a good descriptor around that or what's most unique about things? Yeah. I think, I think one of the things that has been just awesome to see is just the success of the company and and how that's a real motivator for, for people to kind of recognize that, you're working at a place that's really kind of changing the way that people work. And, and I think that well, pe- people come of, to you with this very specific problem that you can solve and they've got to be so excited about that. Right. And it, it kind totally. of becomes a little bit like contagious with your staff yeah. as well as with your clients as well. Right. They get excited about it. I, I'm getting excited about it as you were explaining. I was like, wow, I, <laughs> you know, I've had that problem before, right. Where I've had a document, unnecessarily legal document, but you know, I, I couldn't search it, couldn't figure out how to do it. And I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that uh, AI and ML is able to help us do that. So is that, you kind of find that with new customers too, do you get referred to new customers, people, you know, general counsel, general counsel, has that happened a little bit with your customer base? Yeah, absolutely. The, the referrals yeah. are always a joy. Even people changing roles in companies, like they were general counsel at one place and then kind of that maybe company got acquired or, or their journey right. ended there and they went to another yeah. place. And our record <laughs> they is bring you uh, three times, like that's our record. Like person that's had awesome. bought LinkScores three yeah. different times. Two people yeah. have bought LinkScores three different times, three different companies, right? <laughs> three Which different companies, just, yeah. We got to have this. It's just like one of those things you have to have. That is so cool. I love it. The the culture inside the company is also like fun. Like we're a fun bunch and yeah. get the yeah. company together for, for kind of three or four big events, regardless of where you live and fly you into the Boston area, like for a kickoff in January and 
summer party in July, which we just had last month, and right. a holiday party in December, and, and kind of other events that go on inside the departments. But uh, the culture is really centered around being team first and, and then customer driven. Right. We have all the success because we've been listening to what legal teams want. I'm not a legal person. I'm just like a software engineer. <laughs> you encountered of, the problem and said, hey, this needs to be fixed. I love it. I love it. <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, I, I, I want to circle back to your recruiting because you talked about the importance of that. And, you know, as an executive recruiter, it's always wonderful to get these insights. And a lot of folks that are listening to this are, you know, thinking about maybe building their own corner office someday or maybe, you know, doing their own, you know, interviewing. Maybe it's your company. But but what is it that you look for? You know, you, you hired those six great people. Is there a common thread, you know, in the people that you've invested in and hired at LinkSquares? Yeah, for, for me, especially when we're hiring executives, there's no room for people not to be experts. And experts, like knowing that you're working with experts is really evidence in tenure, uh, time that they've been doing the job. It's, it's, it's hard to find experts, right? And right, I think right. the other thing is it's, it's hard to find the experts that are the right fit for you. And what I mean by that is like, let's say mm. you know someone who's like VP of sales at a company like that's super famous, like a Salesforce or a Workday. And they've been selling like million dollar deals to like Fortune 1000 companies, right? But your go-to-market strategy is actually different. Yours is to maybe sell thirty or $40,000 deals into like the right. middle market or the small yeah. enterprise, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's like you can find an expert. Is this person really good at sales, VP of sales at Salesforce? Of course they are, right? Like a regional vice president. Of course, they're excellent at the job. But are they excellent for how you're going to go to market? Mm. Or are you trying to ram them into like a round hole and they're actually like right. a square peg? Right. And I think that's like really important is to find people who are familiar with your go to market strategy, especially on the revenue side, because it won't work. Right. Not every sales leader can sell at every price point or wants to. Right. Despite their best intentions. Right. Like, oh, yeah, I can come in here. No problem. I can do fifty thousand dollar deals. But there's also the nuance of doing like higher velocity sales. Right. Like doing a $50,000 deal in 50 days and the pipeline you generate is much different. I also think about like just the culture of you're joining early. It's going to be a lot of work. Are you at that kind of yeah. right stage yeah. in your life? Um, I'm a dad now. I have two kids. I have a very uh, young, young baby at home. And if I think about like 17, 2017, 2018, 2019, like when, even when I had my first kid uh, in October 2018, like my life is just way different now, right? right? It's like I'm, my, my wife like doesn't love doing bedtime with two kids by herself every single <laughs> night, right. even though that's where should she? Yeah, that's what she would be doing if I had started the company now versus like earlier in my journey. There's that stuff right. too. Like, are you ready to take this journey and what we need? Which is, it's not going to be nine to five. It's going to be a yeah. lot more than that. Yeah, We're going to work yeah. all the time, right? Um, so yeah. the, a lot of the what a lot of what I have is a kind of personal personal tip is that I hired people that I worked with, right. and I had sure. a real personal connection to every single yeah. leader that I have. There's a bunch of backup of fires, right? Myself, my co-founder, my CTO, my CMO, my CRO. We all had like, worked together, 
Right. And, right. and that was like when we were up and comers, like when we were like director level or manager level, we had all kind of worked together. Then I kind of disappeared for a while. And then I got the band back together as their careers continued to right. grow. So that's like right. an insider tip. Like yeah. if you, yeah. if you worked at a bunch of tech companies, then you've worked with people who are good candidates to be your future exec team as their careers have continued to flourish and grow. Uh, yeah. And then there's like a Super unity smart. amongst there's a unity amongst us, right? Like we're yeah, like a and family. You've created that culture together too. You know that's important, and and, and you kind of hire the new people against that culture too, right? Absolutely. And then defining yeah. the values, right? We we yeah. sat down yeah. and we defined like what are the four values of the company? Like team first, customer driven, do what you say, right? And and out of those kind of out of those values, we now we now know that the most important one is really being all in, right? That's yeah. our fourth value right. is like right. really being right. all in. Like yeah. you're either Whatever all in and all in is like a state of mind, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like all in is like a state of mind. Either you have it or you don't, right? Which right. is, it's so right. critical to be all in and work with people who are all in also, right? Because if you're not all in, we're not just, we're just not going to get there together. All the, all the critics and all the thousands of people who told me that I'll fail, they'll, they'll actually be right. <laughs> well, listen, we've got time for just a couple other questions, but I, I wanted to ask you, do you have a favorite interview question? If so, what is it? Yeah, there's uh, a thousand companies you can work for in the Boston area if we're interviewing locally. Uh, yep. What is it about LinSquares that is the place you want to work next? What's the most creative response you've heard to that? Most recently, we, we hired a vice president and they had listened to all of my podcasts and it was wild. Like, I don't know, I've probably done maybe 20 of them. They had listened right. to God, maybe every single one. And he could like recall like specific things I told people on like a podcast, just like this. And right. I was just like blown away at the level of preparation. Like, yeah. like he knew that um, my dad was an entrepreneur and I grew up in a family like that because yeah. I said it on a podcast like a while ago. Um, and he, he was he was telling me about how like that story is is like in your DNA, and that's that's why I know mm -hmm. I want to work here, and I want to work mm -hmm. around you. He's, this person in, particularly won't work for me; he'll work for one of my executives, but I will work closely right. with this person. And and that was probably the most powerful emotional kind of response I could ever have. Yeah. Then there's a lot of like kind of fluffy answers that come out of that, which really <laughs> tells me kind of your level of preparedness to have right. a conversation. If you need to have a conversation with me at this scale, a company, like you better show up and have <laughs> something interesting to tell me about the question <laughs> right. of why you want to join the company that I co-founded, right? We built this with our hands, right? We built this with yeah. our love and, and, and effort, right? So yeah, I, I think that was the best one I've ever, and I expected it from this individual, just polished, 25 years of experience, like came in, knew, knew that kind of was the best, yeah, it was the best way to do it. Hey, that's a pro tip. Do your homework. <laughs> do your homework. Great. Well, one last question, Vashal, and we, we asked this of all our guests, what what kind of you know career and life advice you'd give someone who maybe is you know going to be, wants to be a corner office someday, or, or more importantly, an entrepreneur like you that wants to found his own company or her own company? What would you tell him? Yeah, there's, there's two things I, I, tell, I tell folks. The, the first is surround yourself with experts 
mm-hmm. as much as you can, right? Experts for me were were people who were marketing experts and revenue experts and B two B software strategists or SDG and for US and Canada. Experts. We really appreciate and you sharing your journey. I've learned so much world. just hearing Thank how you, they talk and think and and. I got the opportunity to work at a whole bunch of companies that had these great experts that I could work around and orbit in their yeah. universe. I learned so much that way. You don't realize how much you're learning when you're watching the head of marketing and the head of sales have like a strategy conversation about, you know, do we choose path A, B, or C? You're learning kind of how to even evaluate these paths. You can't read that anywhere. There's no like case study you can read to, to learn how to decide. And so much of the journey in the early days is with lots of uncertainty. Like you don't know, should I ch- choose A, B, or C? They all seem okay or they all have their pluses and minuses. So that's the first advice. Surround yourself with as many experts as you can, yep. right? And learn from them. Learn everything you can from them. Be super selfish with learning for your own purposes, right? Go out of your way to be selfish about knowing what they know. And I yeah. think the right people will recognize that you want their guidance. And, and that's a great relationship. I have still have relationship with those people that I learned from back in the day. Many of them invested in the company too. And that's so important. I think a lot of folks don't appreciate that. You know, they want to make that million dollars right out of the bo- box. But if you go to a larger company, you're not just getting paid. You're getting a p- paid to learn, <laughs> right? And totally. part of that learning is yeah. connecting with those really smart people that built that company before you. The other thing I'd say is like, be the person that raises their hand. The hand raisers are the ones that, that take on more, right? More. I just want more. I'll, I'll do that project, even though it's hard or it's uncertain or no one wants to do it. Be that person that raises your hand. Yeah. Be (laughs) the odd projects guy like me. Right. right. (laughs) That's what my nickname was, right? I'm the odd projects guy, but yeah, I built a career off odd projects. Being CEO is no different. You're solving all these odd projects all the time. That's right. Um, And then if you want to be CEO, you have to learn about how businesses work, right? How marketing works at some level, right? Not say spend a career in marketing, but you've got to understand like marketing and sales and developing software and supporting it it and implementation and finance and financial modeling. And and some people you'll hire like piece part players or contractors or fractional people that can come and give you advice, but you have to know it because eventually you could end up like me with hundreds of employees and the strategy really depends on you knowing what to do. Right. And that's on you as a leader. And then the other advice I give people is don't give up everything that's worth doing in life. That's hard. uh, Don't give up. And we didn't give up. That's, that's the whole square story. We just didn't give up. Yeah. Love it. Well, Vishal Sunak, CEO and co-founder of Link Squares, thank you so very much for sharing your journey into the corner office. Thanks, Brent. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.